your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, we're talking about the art of persuasion, which is very interesting because, you know, people can persuade in all kinds of ways. Some people are good about it. Some people are moral and have good behavior. Other people are just, can be uh, decrepit people, terrible people who use persuasion to get their way, to sell things to people that are vulnerable, to uh, fake, you know, uh, commit fraud, um, to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But how does a person get people to think and behave a little differently? You know, there's subtle ways to press an agenda without turning everyone off in in the arena of of persuasion. you know, the expert is is usually the one that is going to be more persuasive. There, there's some principles basically that uh, uh, Robert Caldani, which is a professor emeritus at Arizona State University, came up with, and, and these principles have been used in business schools as well as boardrooms. And so, you know, the first is uh, the principle of reciprocity, uh, where one gives. And then you get back. And then, then there's this feeling that something is owed and that can be powerful um, because you were given something and you just want to give back. I would say uh, when I talk about, you know, sometimes going to Starbucks, I'll, I'll uh, purchase behind me uh, the, for the people behind me. And when I do that, oftentimes they say uh, that people behind me uh, end up doing the same thing and it goes on and on. It could go on sometimes for, for an hour or two. But, you know, that feeling that something is owed is very powerful. And then there's another uh, uh, step or, or influence that he talks about, and that's commitment and consistency. And that's about having consistency in your beliefs and your behaviors. And then there's this social proof when people tend to make choices that appear popular. You know, so the next part of this covers authority as having to be credible expert and that's useful. Meanwhile, the big one is likability is when a person is regarded as a trusted uh, friend. And finally, there's scarcity. And it's important because people fear that an item may be in short supply. And look at what happened at, at Costco and all the stores when the toilet, when COVID hit, all the toilet paper flew out the door and so did the paper towels and all the uh, 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 cleaning uh, stuff that had antibacteria in it. And so while persuasion is a science, it's also an art. And if a person pushes too hard, they will risk being aggressive. And if they nudge too lightly, they will get nowhere. So if, 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 uh, if, if, if you go on uh, too much, if you talk about talk too much, you may just be a jerk, you know? So many things can influence the decisions of others. For example, people pay attention when an attractive salesperson is talking, plus people perk up if that individual uses powerful words such as progress or liberty or value or quality, you know, considering what other people want, uh, it can also help. And this will inform a person to devise a plan that benefits all 
And, and so from that thoughtfulness, the persuasive argument can lead to getting what is wanted, especially if you can match the benefits, the value that a customer will get uh, as to what the product would deliver. And you could put those two together as they, they, they profit both the person buying and the person as far as an investment. Um, let's look at reciprocity. You know, simply put, people are obliged to give back to others in the form of behavior, gifts, maybe services that they've received. And if, if a friend invites you to, the, to their party, let's say, and there's an obligation for you to invite them to a future party that you're hosting, or if somebody you know does you a favor and then you owe that person a favor, and in context of social obligation, people are more likely to say yes to those who they owe. And so, you know, one of the best demonstrations of reciprocity comes from a, a bunch of studies that were conducted in restaurants. So the last time you visit a restaurant, there's a good chance that the waiter or waitress will have given you a gift, probably about the same time that they bring your bill. You know, a, a, a liqueur, perhaps, or a fortune cookie, or perhaps a, a mint. So, so, you know, there's a question. Does the giving of a mint have any influence, however, how much tip you, you, you're going to leave? You know, most people will say no, but that mint can make a surprising difference. And, and in these studies, uh, giving diners a simple mint at the end of their meal typically increased tips by around 3%. Very interesting. And boy, I'll tell you, if they bring something for your child, that's enormous. You know, if they bring a toy for them to play with while you're waiting on your meal, that's really cool. And that can add to a, a higher tip. You know, so there's a question, you know, does the giving uh, that, 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 that meant a big deal? Well, yes. And interestingly, if the gift is doubled and two mints are provided, tips don't double, but they quadruple. And that could be a 14% increase in tips. You know, it's really interesting that, that the fact that uh, waiters uh, provide one mint, starts to walk away from the table, but pauses, turn back and says, yes, for you nice people, here's an extra mint. Tips go through the roof, 23%. And these are studies that were conducted by restaurants, you know, and, and, and so you're influenced. We are all influenced by what is given to us. You know, so the key to using uh, reciprocity is to be the first to give and to ensure that what you give is personalized and unexpected. That is a huge thing. And, and you know, there's another pr principle that Caldani came up with, and that's persuasion. It, and and, and this, it, the principle of uh, persuasion is scarcity. You know, people want more of things they can have less of. For instance, um, there's a, uh, an example of like 2003 with British Airways. They, they would no longer be operating twice daily from London to New York on the Concorde. And the Concorde was a very fast, fast jet. And, and because it had uh, some uh, uneconomical times during 2003 and the sales uh, started to decline. And so what happened when they made that announcement, all of a sudden the very next day sales just took off like a lightning bolt. And, and you notice nothing changed about the Concorde itself. It certainly didn't fly any faster, but the service didn't suddenly get better. And the airline didn't drop. It had simply become a scarce resource. And as a result, people want more of it. So when it comes to effectively persuading other people, using that scarcity idea, the science is very clear. It's not enough simply to tell people about the benefits they'll gain if they choose whatever you're offering. 
But you also need to point out that what is unique about your proposition and what they stand to lose if they fail to consider the proposal. And then there's this principle of authority. And this is the idea that people follow the lead of credible, knowledgeable experts. So, you know, uh, let's just look at uh, uh, physiological therapists, for example. They're able to persuade more of their patients to comply with recommended exercise uh, programs if, if uh, sorry, f- uh, not physiological, <laughs> physio physiotherapists, which is basically people that help you uh, do orthopedics, but they do these exercise programs if they display their, their, you know, let's say their medical diploma on the walls of their counseling rooms. People are more likely to give chance or change for, for uh, a parking meter to a complete stranger if the, if the requester wears a uniform rather than casual clothes. So what science is basically telling us, it's important to signal to others what makes you credible, knowledgeable authority before you influence or make an attempt to influence. And, and so this can present a whole lot of problems, guys. You, you can hardly go around telling potential uh, customers how brilliant you are, but you can certainly arrange for someone to do it for you. And surprisingly, the science says that, that it doesn't seem to matter if the person who introduces you is not connected to you, but also likely to prosper from the introduction themselves. And so, you know, if you look at real estate agents, there's a group that was able to increase both the number of property appraisals and the number of subsequent contracts that they wrote by arranging for a reception staff who answered customer inquiries to first mention their colleagues' credentials and expertise. So basically, they beef up the real estate agent's credentials, and by doing that, people are more likely to choose that real estate group. And so basically, they were giving testimony uh, to those realtors. And, and so customers interested in letting the uh, uh, letting a property, or, or, you know, uh, renting a property, uh, they do that right away, and and they would contact immediately the the sellers that they worked with, and that influence nearly doubled their sales. And so the impact of expert introduction leads to about a 20% rise in the number of appointments and a 15% increase in the number of signed contracts. And that's not bad uh, for for somebody that needs uh, to sell real estate because real estate is not an easy field to be in. The big thing, though, and this has to do with integrity, and integrity has everything in this world to do with consistency. And people like to be consistent with the things they have previously uh, said or done. And so consistency is activated by looking for and asking for small initial uh, commitments that can be made. And, and so there was a, a study, and it's fairly famous, researchers found that unsurprisingly, very few people would be willing to erect an unsightly ugly wooden board on their front lawn to support a a drive safely campaign in their neighborhood. However, in a similar neighborhood close by, four times as many homeowners indicated that they would be willing to erect this really ugly billboard. Why? Because 10 days previously, they had agreed to place a small postcard in the front window of their homes, and that signaled their support for Drive Safely. And so the small card was the initial commitment that led to a huge increase, 400%, in a much bigger but still consistent change. So when seeking to influence, using consistency, the, 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 the 
Detective of Influence looks for voluntary, active, public commitments and ideally gets those commitments in writing. So, you know, there's there's studies where reduced missed appointments at health centers or, you know, uh, 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 urgent care or, or just the doctor's office uh, by 18 percent by asking the patients rather than the staff to write down the appointment. Just having them write down the appointment, that alone is going to get you better, better uh, response. And so it's really interesting. Liking, you know, people prefer people that are nice. And, and what causes one person to like another? Well, you know, persuasion basically says that there there's three factors that basically we like people who are similar to us. We like people who pay us compliments and we like people who cooperate with us towards mutual goals. That's a big deal. Um, as more and more of our interactions that we're having take place online, it might be worth asking whether the factors can be employed effective because now people are basically living online. And so there's a lot of studies uh, between uh, master students uh, and, and, and some major business schools that time is money and get straight down to business. And then that group around 55% were able to come to an agreement. And however, there was another group before you begin negotiating, exchange some personal information with each other, identify a similarity you share in common, then begin negotiating. And then that group, 90% of them were able to come to an successful, successful agreement. So we went from 55 to 90. And so to harness that principle of liking, you have to be sure to look for areas of similarity that you share with others. And genuine compliments that you can give before you get down to business. And by personalizing, you're able to influence people in a much, much better way. Well, I hope this is coming across well for you. <laughs> now, there's another thing, and it's called consensus. And this is another very powerful tool when it comes down to persuasion, you know, People will look at the actions and the behaviors of others to determine their own. And this, sadly, in this day and age of COVID, we see lots of consensus going, again, going on in regards to negative and positive things that are happening. Just having to wear your face mask uh, everywhere you go, like you're a walking uh, bacterial infection. You know, it's just amazing that we, we have that. But the formality of being kind and having good relationships with people is, is becoming very difficult in this day and age. But everybody's going to wear the mask because the governors say you got to do it. And so, you, you know, it may have noticed that hotels often place a small card in the bathrooms that basically says reuse your towels and your linens. And most people do this by drawing a guest's attention to the benefits that reuse can have in the environment. So it turns out that this is pretty effective, leading to around 35% compliance. And guess what that means for the laundry room people? They have less work to do. That means they pay, have to pay less. And that's the real goal. But, you know, there's, there's another way that, that about 75% of people who check into a hotel for four nights or longer, we'll reuse their towels at some point during their stay, you know. So what, what would happen if we, if we took a lesson from consensus, is simply included in the information on the cards and said that 75% of our guests reuse their towels sometime during their stay, so please do so as well. You're going to get a huge percent of people, nearly 75, that are actually going to reuse their towels because you're basically saying 
all these other people are doing it, why aren't you? You know, it turns out that just changing a few words on a sign to honestly point out what comparable previous people have done as a guest is the single most effective message. And so it, it's it's a huge increase, 33%. You know, so so basically the science is telling us that rather than relying on your own ability to persuade other people, we can point to what many others are already doing, especially many similar others. And so, you know, there you have it. The, those are those Kaliali's uh, uh, um, uh, scientific principles of persuasion. And that's a very interesting thing to look at. And it's a very powerful thing to look at, especially if you're running a big business. Because you're going to have to not only influence your customers, you're going to have to influence your employees. And that, uh, my friends, is a huge benefit to a company that is able to persuade and create a culture uh, within their their business, but also we create cultures within our homes, and these principles work extremely well when you have a family and when you have children. You know, by doing that kind of stuff, we really offer them a a very safe and fun environment, and we are able to influence without having to repeat ourselves over and over and over and over again. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the psychology principles involved in persuasion and also some of the techniques. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about this wonderful thing uh, called the art of persuasion. And, you know, people want to persuade, and they, they have a desire to persuade because they want to feel that they have power. And this, unfortunately, can be a very negative motive, and it can be very hurtful if we apply it in ways that are going to take away from others, take advantage of others. You know, there's a lot of people that have that charming personality that they could sell to anyone, but if they're using it without integrity, then what they're basically doing is is illegal, and it's immoral, and it's not good. And sometimes people do that and convince themselves that they're doing something good and using that persuasion like a used car salesman might do with a car that's not that's a lemon. They know it's a lemon, but they need the money because they've got to put food on the table for their kids or whatever. You know, that kind of stuff is not cool, but it happens. And some people are will fall into the traps and, and actually you know, basically buy those things and then find that, that they have been taken advantage of. So when we talk about conversations, we're, you know, most of the time, we're basically discussing ways we can be more persuasive and more influential. And, and we're interested in meeting the needs of people, let's say of fans, of customers, followers, doing so in a way that truly speaks to them. But how can you persuade, you know, or convert you know, p- perhaps it's not surprising that people that are really good at conversation and persuasion begin with psychology and, and understanding why someone clicks or why they retweet requires you to look at the way the person is wired and the way we're all wired. And what I was talking about is online, you know, to understand persuasion and social media influence, you have to get to the heart of a conversation and what people are looking for. And it helps to understand how your audience thinks and feels. And, and this is huge. And so there's this influence and persuasion. You know, one uh, Dave Straker wrote this thing, uh, Changing Minds. It's a website, which is full of theories written by basic, simple people. It's organized pretty well. And it's in specific categories and clusters for, for easy reference. But one of those categories is persuasion. And he basically says how to harness psychology to ace your performance interview. And so here's a brief, you know, basic view of what he put together. Uh, and some of the stuff is really, it might even sound familiar to you, uh, either because you've employed it in the past or because you've had others try that on you. Um, but you can go through that website to get that information. I'm going to kind of give you an overview, though. There's this amplification uh, when you express with certainty of a particular attitude, that attitude hardens. And so the opposite is true as well. Expressing uncertainty softens attitude. And so you can use for persuasion your confidence or you can use your or your uh, uh, skepticism. And so there's also this thing called a conversion uh, theory. And so the minority in a group can have a disproportionate, a disproportionate effect on influencing those in the majority. Typically, those in the majority who are most susceptible are those who may have joined because it was easy to do so, who felt there were no other alternatives. So, you know, a consistent, confident minority voices are most effective at doing that. And then there's um, information manipulation. And that basically it, it, is, it encompasses uh, a persuasive person that deliberately uh, 
you know, breaks away from uh, 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 these kind of ideas, and that is quality information is complete and full. Uh, quantity, excuse me, is complete and full. Quality information is truthful and accurate. Relational information is irrelevant to the conversation. And manner information is expressed in an easy-to-understand way. Nonverbal actions support the tone of the statement. So that that's a huge aspect of how to communicate. Because if you're going to talk about quality, that means you're talking about integrity. That means it can be trusted. When you're talking about quantity, you're just talking about lots of selections, but that's not necessarily a good thing. But a person that talks about quality is going to have a lot of influence because it looks like they've already done the homework and by nature, we as human beings are lazy bums. Then there's this thing called priming, and you can get influenced by stimulation that affect you and how you perceive short-term thoughts and actions. You know, uh, of uh, this guy in Changing Minds, he, he basically says the stage musician says try and cycle in separate sentences in priming a person to think later of the word tricycle. And so basically what they're trying to do is mind read, and so they're dropping uh, try and cycle, and basically what's going to happen they, is they planted that word tricycle in the person's mind, and they think that the magician did it, but actually they come up with it in their own mind, but the magician influenced them through that, and that's the priming. You know, there's this reciprocity stuff that we talked about earlier, and that's a common social norm, and involves our obligation to return favors, and so guilt and shame are deep in all of our lives, deep in many of our cultures, and they have a sense of obligation that we may have to outgift the person that gives us a gift. And so it's 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 strange, but reciprocity plays a huge role in people's lives by gift giving and then get receiving something probably much more expensive, much better than what you already gave. And so, you know, people are pretty amazing in how they can influence each other. And also that, that we talked about earlier, that scarcity and, and, and you put stuff that's normally available and dependent on and then you put it in short, short supply, people are going to freak out. They're going to drop work. They're going to go wherever they can go to survive. That's the first of people's nature. So when you do scarcity, uh, like we're only going to have five of these televisions on sale at this price uh, prior on Black uh, Friday, then bang, people are going to be outside the door in masses. Um, that's just how people are. They, they uh, want to compete with each other. They want to show other people that they got the deal, that they were the, outside the store all night long or whatever it is. They want to feel special. And so that's that's how they use that scarcity principle. And if there's only one of those cars available in the whole world, so all of a sudden the value is going to go through the roof. And who cares if it's ugly? <laughs> so then there's this, the sleeper, you know, and, and that uh, basically decreases in persuasiveness over time. Uh, so... Messages that start out with low persuasion gain persuasion as our minds slowly disassociate the source from the material. So if you didn't like the source and all of a sudden we stop looking at the salesman and when we start looking at the car, 
So maybe it was the salesman that wasn't so good, but the car is better. So basically, why did that salesman make all that energy around this car? Well, then all of a sudden you take another look at it, and even though it may be a not such a hot car, you might sell yourself on it. And that's unfortunately what we do. We kind of the the salesman may overpush, and then it drops the idea that I have to come up with. If I'm going to buy this car, I have to have the reasons because I don't trust this salesperson. And all of a sudden, we develop reasons to buy things that may not be uh, compatible or needed. Then there's this thing, and it's huge, huge. We're social creatures and social influence. And, and so, you know, we're, we're basically influenced by others based on how we perceive our relationship to the influencer. So, so you know, there's a good example uh, uh, if, if a testimonial by a person that you know is, is there, or let's say, you know, I've got a book out there, and if I had a really credible, super uh, uh, knowledgeable person that everybody in the world knew, uh, you know, like Ofer or something like that, then all of a sudden everybody would be, wow, ooh, cool book, all of a sudden, because I've used a social influencer by by correlating myself to another person that everybody knows I'm not known but all the other people all the other people know this person that gives a testimony and so they buy based on that and and so it's pretty amazing how people can influence each other by borrowing the fame or the testimony or the the integrity of someone else you know and this is done in movies this is done in every type of uh, way we try to make some people at our businesses or some people in our homes really highly credible and all of a sudden that person becomes a commodity and all of a sudden people are going towards what you have even though what you have may not be that great because you're you're related to somebody famous or somebody that's really knowledgeable in the field you know there there's all this, this <laughs> Yale created this thing called attitude change and this is based on a whole bunch of years uh, by Yale researching, and they found a whole bunch of things. Persuasion speech, including being credible, uh, attractive speaker, and what's important uh, to first to go last, and the ideal demographics to target. So they, they were very, very, uh, had a very rigid approach to how to influence people. You know, I can't tell you, it's just amazing to me how people will buy looks. If someone is attractive, people have a tendency to listen to them more. And, and that is amazing that you can have these incredibly intelligent people out there that are, you know, kind of homely, and all of a sudden, people won't listen to them. And, and we've got to get past that. We really, if we're going to be seekers of knowledge, if we're going to be people that are wise, we're going to look for people that are credible, that have good moral values, that, that have a sense of passion about what they're doing, and have dug a lot deeper. Because if we're going to seek other people to get information to us then what, and give information to us, then we need to be picking the kind of people that are going to add to our life, not take away. Um, I, I remember... You know, uh, it's kind of funny. I, I used to work for AT&T a long time ago. Uh, I had a little sales team that would go out and customers that left us for long distance, we had win back. And so I hired really uh, smart people, but they weren't the most attractive. Uh, I'm not trying to say they weren't the best attractive, but I began hiring people that had a lot of uh, respect in the field, been in the field for a long time. 
uh, very intelligent. They could present good arguments. And we weren't doing so well. So what I did was I started to hire attractive people and then train them. And by doing that, all of a sudden sales, we were the top sales team in the state of California, the top sales team, because I hired attractive people. Not to say they, they weren't smart. They, some of them were, were, weren't so smart. Some of them were really, really smart, but they were attractive. And people, when they saw them walk into their business, all of a sudden they would listen and all of a sudden the sales would come and boy, it only took maybe 10 minutes for the whole thing to get done. It was pretty amazing. And also, you know, there's ultimate terms, certain words that carry more power than others. And, and these persuasive words can be like, uh, uh, there's, there's a thing that is in his uh, website called uh, God terms. And those are words that carry blessings or demand obedience or sacrifice, progress or value. Then there's devil terms. And these terms are despised and evoke disgust and, and uh, like fascist or, or pedophile. Um, and then there's charismatic, and those terms are intangible, less observable than, than the God or devil terms, and that would be like freedom or free will or contribution. So those kind of words have a lot of say in who we are and how we persuade other people. And, you know, there's these techniques, you know, and, and there's these persuasion techniques, and that is number one. Uh, to basically try to appeal to authority. Important people or experts can make your argument seem more convincing. So using reliable research can help your argument seem super convincing. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know uh, Bill Clinton used to think that junk food should be taken out of vending machines. And also uh, there was a study that found that students who watch TV during the week don't do as well in school. Surprise, surprise. It's pretty amazing, you know. But, you know, people that are in authority, like if the president says something, then all of a sudden people are going to listen because they know that has influence on them. And these days, whatever the governors say, because they pretty much are dictators in their own states, uh, can dictate a whole lot of things. And all of a sudden what they have to say is very, very powerful uh, without any accountability, by the way. And also, you know, there's reason. There's reason. And when people appeal to reason, they tend to, to in, increase their credibility because they're talking about facts. They're talking about numbers. They're talking about information and, and that logic. And that can be uh, 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 very convincing. You know, uh, uh, people will go buy like Snickers bars, which has like 300 calories and 30 grams of sugar. But they heard a commercial that gives a lot of logic about how you know you can wake yourself up in the middle of the day instead of having lunch have that snickers bar or have that snickers bar right after lunch so you get that charge you know and that's what it's going to give you so they use facts and logic that it's going to benefit you even though the calories are going to make you into you know jonah and the whale and so it's pretty amazing that people will follow that influencers based on commercials and watching other people do that and then there's, you know, like an appeal to, to your emotions. And boy, I tell you, when you appeal to people's emotions, Lord Almighty, they will jump over bridges to help you or to engage with you. People love to engage their emotions, but they hate conflict. And so what that means is you want to elicit happy, sad, anger, whatever, but it has to come with a sense of empathy, 
meaning that you're trying to influence a person through empathy, through caring. You know, people are amazing because they have the most desperate need of most people to know that their life is significant and powerful and interesting is to be heard. And, and when you don't hear a person, basically what's going to happen is people feel disrespected. And people that don't feel heard walk around with a chip on their shoulder. They're angry. They're irritable because they don't feel like anybody cares about anything they have to say. And, and they take on that uh, um, they take on that perception of themselves that nobody's ever going to listen to me. And basically, they endorse the idea that they're not going to be heard. And then they walk around with anger and resentment that their kids won't listen to, their spouse won't listen to them or whatever. And, and they don't realize that they have just created a, a, a dialogue about themselves, basically a story about themselves that says nobody wants to listen to me. Well, some people don't want to listen to people that are angry or irritable or moody because it sounds like they're not very credible. And so all they're doing, these angry people, is stuffing it in and, and increasing that fact that nobody wants to listen to them. So we're going to take another break. We're going to come back and talk about more about techniques. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the art of persuasion. And, you know, persuasion is, is uh, 
such a, a, a an interesting term because we uh, want to influence other people, and people are envied who can influence other people. It's just that some people are, are negative with what they do, and they influence people by uh, their ideas, maybe their conspiracy theories, which next week we're going to do a show on conspiracy theories. You know, people that have conspiracy theories are very convinced that they uh, basically uh, have, the, have the truth and they are the only people with the truth. And I'm not going to go into that because I'm going to talk about it next week. But they, they do persuasion by being so enthusiastic and so firm in what they believe, you know, like the, the flat earth people and all these crazies. Um, it's just amazing that that confidence that they have, that they actually will pull other people into their ideas. Um, you know, people that appeal to trust, you know, if people believe and trust you, they're more likely, you're more likely to persuade. You know, uh, if you say, hey, I've been there, you know, I know what it's like, you know, I, I know what it's going to give you. I've done this. And by doing that, you're basically giving yourself credibility and you're establishing that you can do it too. And, and by doing that, you also influence people. And, and uh, you know, if people believe you're an average person, like you don't try to, you know, you don't, uh, you know, look like somebody that's trying to impress people. You're just trying to be the average person. They have more credibility in, in seeing you because you're being who you normally are. And so that, that sets people off guard. If you're going to wear a really sharp suit, people are going to know that you're very much trying to make an impression on them through your looks, through your nonverbal communication, which is called meta communication. But if you're just wearing average clothes, you're saying you'll get the quality of me when you get to know me. And so you're not trying to influence them with what you're wearing. You're trying to influence them by what you think and what you say. And so that calls attention to people to view you as someone who's not egotistical or sell them something that would not be good for them. You know, if everyone believes it, it must be true. And that's called the bandwagon. Uh, uh, you know, nine out of ten people prefer, you know, our shampoo, you know, whatever. When we talk about that and when we say that the vast majority of people believe this, uh, we're basically taking people into a mindset of they need to follow the lead, that this thing must be credible because all these other people are buying it. But, you know, a lot of people have bought stuff that they couldn't afford and that they didn't need because that they're so easily influenced by the crowd and what they believe the crowd wants. Also, you know, uh, there's questions that aren't attend, uh, 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 intended to be answered, and that's called a rhetorical question. So there's, there's a way to state the obvious, you know, who wouldn't like to earn money? What a dumb question. Of course people want to earn money. You know, so something like that is called a rhetorical question. So you're basically trying to influence people by the question that you're asking and saying, you, if you don't agree with me, you must be very stupid. And so that's not a good thing. But some people use rhetorical questions uh, to basically sell their ideas. And then there's re repetition. And if you repeat information or present information in patterns, people will remember it and believe it. You know, uh, uh, you know, the duty uh, doesn't necessarily uh, be more important than honesty, you know. Uh, uh, common sense is much important, more important than duty. 
And duty means you're it's, you're obligated to do something. You know, it, it, it morality is much more important than duty. And, and yet people will follow based on the fact that since they're in a club or a culture or whatever, they feel it is their duty to do, do certain things. And I've always said, and I'll continue to say, the people that that uh, fall into the category of needing and wanting uh, loyalty are people that just want power to have power. They don't, they don't want to be looked at and viewed as, as, as somebody who's caring and loving. They just want power. You know, loyalty can be, you can do a lot, a lot of dumb things like join gangs and do all kinds of crazy stuff by being loyal. You know, why, why do we need to influence people? Why is it so important? You know, it, it gives us a sense of control over our lives. And that seems to be something that all of us want. But in a universe which, which, which everything is mutually interdependent, none of us has absolute control over anything, including time, ourselves. Rather, we all have the abundance of influence around us, the power of which is, is to function linearly. And, and basically, that means to go for goals. And so a lot of people work towards goals, and that's a linear focus. And the the... the the closer personally and physically others are to us, the greater our influence is over them. Even more interesting, unlike our attempts to control, our attempts to influence don't require our conscious intent. And so this is why our ability to influence others is so much more important than our ability to control them. You know, influencing people is much better goal than trying to control people. And I've always said this, I'll continue to say it, in the DSM-5, Every thought-based disorder that is in there, every single thought-based disorder is a need to control things that you cannot control. And all the symptoms of those disorders are the way you try to control things you cannot control. And so, you know, we get depressed or we get anxious. That's our coping skill. That's how it works. And so we use those things and now they dictate our lives because we will not give up on the idea that all we have in this life is our ability to influence. We cannot control outcomes that much unless it's just us. Um, you know, we're always exerting influence simply by being who we are, by saying what we say and doing what we do. And the only real choice that we have in the matter is whether or not we influence and we exert and is are we well-intended or badly intended. You know, becoming a good influence is a great goal. You never know who's watching you. And someone always is, whether your child, your sibling, your spouse, your friend, a stranger, in another car, on the road. You know, emotions and inner uh, life states transmitted like viruses via our words and our actions. So our lives basically touch other people when we're not even talking. Even from the quietest and the smallest, nothing can encourage us like someone else's good example. You know, and if we are that good example in life, and that's what Jesus, if you go from, from, from a Christian perspective, that's what Jesus wanted us to be. Love each other. Just love each other and be kind. You know, stop and think, what, what better service can you provide someone else than being a good example? You know, not with a conscious intention to influence, which always seems contrived and has a little power to encourage, but simply, you know, becoming examples you yourself want to see. You know, if you communicate to people like you would want to be communicated, I think you might find that in this life, 
you have a lot more influence. You know, and it's very important for us to avoid bad influences. Life is constant battle. You know, if you look at media and look at the social media out there, you're going to get so many bad influences by every single channel there is that's delivering the news. They all have their biases. They all have their opinions. They're all arrogant. And, and they, they have to post their opinions out there. But that's not the news. It's not the news. And so that is bad influences. And if we do that, we tend to overdose ourselves on things that kind of validate what we think. And we tend to continue to go to that same stream every day, all day, all the time. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, if, you, uh, if we feel depressed ourselves, there's a good chance that other people are going to be depressed by us. You know, there's a, a, a Buddhism term that the oneness of life and its environment addresses uh, that, uh, that this phenomenon that our inner life state finds itself mirrored in and mirrored by our environment. In other words, everyone's life conditions tends towards the average of those around them. You know, and, and if, if you're up and down in your mood, well, guess what? You're going to pull someone else towards your inner state, and they're going to be up and down because they have to react to you. And and there's there's actually marriages where one of them may be bipolar, and the other one becomes bipolar simply because they have to deal with a bipolar person. So they have these all these up and down manic states, and all of a sudden the marriage is all always up and down and up and down. You know, God forbid you're married to somebody like that, but I can tell you there's a huge population of people that are. Um, you know. We have to be resilient, and that means that we have to become magnets, pulling others up or down with us, using our inner self, using our mood, using our way to react, to aspire, to possess the strength of being a positive factor in this world and an influence on others. Others uh, are still able to pull out uh, most of us. Uh, varying positive and ne- negative characteristics. You know, our children, I know my son at this point, you a boy, um, you know, <laughs> he really pulled some bad characteristics out of dad. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they may pull out uh, wise uh, protectors or, or fed up disciplinarians, one or the other, out of their parents. You know, I, there's only so many times you could say no to a kid. I, I got to tell you that. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, our, our coworkers may pull out inspiring leaders or, or, or complaining gossips. You know, if you're going to sit around and listen to a whiner, that's what they love. They love to whine. And so guess what you're going to do is you're going to fill wherever your area is with other people that enjoy hearing whining people that get nothing done and suck the soul straight out of your body. You, you know, the thing is, you, you, you don't want to control. You want to influence. And that's a magnet. Okay, you want to influence. That means you use positive words, you use positive statements to influence people, you know, and you don't want to blame. You want to learn and you want to look at everybody as somebody that can offer you a learning experience. And this is a very important factor, a learning experience. When people are able to learn and when they when you are interested in them and what you can learn from them, there's going to be a lot of positive transactions that take place between you. And, and, and it's also incredibly important if you're going to be somebody that influences that you have to be responsible and you have to take responsibility for your mistakes and for the good. 
but you take responsibility not to brag, but to have influence and have integrity. You know, you don't want to be arrogant. You want to be a humble person. Life is the most humbling experience in the whole world. And you don't want to hold grudges. You want to forgive people because oftentimes they do bad things. And if you keep hitting on the bad things, you're going to lose the idea that they weren't badly intended. And if you don't examine intentions, you won't be able to understand what forgiveness is about. You know, and, and if you're going to not criticize, but you coach people, then you understand they, they didn't have a bad intention, but they got an outcome that wasn't so good. And so we want to coach them, if we can, to get a better outcome. You know, the other thing is when fear enters, faith leaves and life is faith based. That means we take leaps of faith, little leaps of faith all the time. If you get married, buy a car, take a job, move to a different city, go to college, uh, whatever our choices is, we don't know what the outcome is going to look like, but we take a leap of faith and then we begin our journey and then we start honing our journey into other things that lead us in other places. Or maybe we stay on point and keep going sharply towards what we want. That's a great thing, but always there's going to be knowledge that we can learn. You don't want to be a complainer. You want to be a solution-oriented person. That means if you're going to criticize, have a solution in mind. Don't just sit on it. You know, and the more character you have as a person, the more character you have as a human being, uh, the more you're going to be able to influence people. And that means you know what you want. You know, you're, you're not arrogant, but you're confident in what you know. And, and that means that you have character. People that are indecisive have very little character. So we don't know what to buy them at Christmas because there's no idea what they want. You don't know what they like. So you just give them a gift certificate or whatever, you know, but people that don't define themselves don't have a personal brand. And so they are not able to uh, influence other people as well because they're indecisive. All right. So if you want to uh, be assertive, if you're going to you want to be uh, somebody that's going to, to influence people, stop looking for approval. Avoid being insecure. Avoid being defensive and stop making excuses. That's our show. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You could do that on our webpage at uh, basically it's on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel. And that's Dr. Gary Bell's absurd psychology. Now, remember, next time you get stopped by a cop, let them know the Russians hacked your speedometer. Also, great persuaders know if you can't convince them, confuse them. Also, you learn a lot from people when they don't get what they want. Boy, that's that's the truth. And growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 